Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Woody Off the Cuff. I am super pumped to be back and podcasting late into November and hopefully keep this momentum strong into December. And just as always, um, in December, I'm going to give you a quick reminder that today actually is one month away from my first big coaching program launch since I released my book. So if you feel overwhelmed or you're thinking about New Year's resolutions or you know that just some of this content is connecting with you in some way, I'm going to be offering super duper affordable one-on-one coaching time with me and it's not going to be some miracle solution. It's just going to be me walking you through the stuff I talk about here every day. But man, one-on-one help, so worth it. And I'm going to be building a whole web page and showing that to you next month. So get excited for that. It's coming. And if you haven't signed up for my email list, go ahead and get those free resources in the podcast description so that you can sign up. Well, with that out of the way, today I just want to talk really transparently about self-centeredness. I am loving this topic. I have been doing a lot of exploration and learning about humility and self-centeredness is something that has just been so ever-present in my life, but is starting to become a little less so. And I just want to kind of talk about it. I want to tell you some stories about times I've been self-centered or perhaps pick some stories from my whole historical life, which has all been self-centered, as many of us are, I think, and then talk about how I'm slowly moving away from the self-centered mindset and getting help and becoming more... I guess just of a person and a being instead of a self-centered brain that thinks about myself in crazy mode all the time. So yeah, if you ever feel like you have worried all the time about whether people are judging you, if you've ever feel like you have been um, someone who thinks they're better than other people, if you ever think, oh, I just know how to live life and I know better than other people how they should live their life, Or if you have thought that like you just have a really good idea and you've got to get it out there and oh my gosh, it's going to be the end of the world if your thing doesn't work. Whatever types of thoughts you're having, it's it's all kind of related to self-centeredness and I'm going to share from my perspective and see what you relate to and what you don't, um, which is what I usually do. So hey, here we are. The first thing I guess I want to say is the big aha moment, if you just want your takeaway early here is that self-centeredness is completely different from selfishness. And you can be selfishly self-centered or you can be unselfishly self-centered. I define self-centered as obsessively and unhealthily thinking about how you are perceived by others. So to me, the key thing about self-centeredness is I am constantly thinking about how other people are going to perceive me And it's to an unhealthy pathological degree, right? Like if, you know, I'm not a therapist, but I have background in psychology. And when they're diagnosing people with mental illnesses, most of the definitions talk about how something is a disorder or a disease if it causes a significant problem that impacts your daily life. And I think if that were a diagnosis for self-centeredness, 99.9% of us would have a diagnosis of self-centeredness that is obsessive, that pervades everything and affects our life. Um, Maybe I'm overestimating a little bit, but hey, like I've got it and I feel like a lot of people do. And 
So I, at first, did not understand how self-centeredness could be different than selfishness. But I think of selfishness as just putting yourself above others, especially in kind of like the way that's being a jerk or being rude, like just wanting all the things and not wanting anybody else to have any. And so I've struggled so much for my whole life because I thought I'm not a selfish person. And yet um, I'm worried about myself all the time, you know, Um, but just a few sides of this self-centered coin, which can be either self-deprecating or like self-aggrandizing or self, you know, grandiosity can come from my college experience. I um, was negatively self-centered or self-deprecating my whole time, I mean, my whole life, but especially during college, because whenever I struggled with an assignment, I would worry obsessively that I was harming other people just by my existence, you know, and obviously there are causes to this, but I'm here to just kind of talk about the behavior today. So I've got this great journal entry and it's somewhere in my Dropbox or on my old computer or something, but I was a freshman in college and I was a computer science student and I, uh, I took this computer science test and I basically aced it. I got like a 98 or a 96, something really good, like an A plus. And so I thought, oh, I'm, I feel a sense of relief, right? I had this accomplishment. I didn't disappoint. So I got relief. And then the next week in that same computer science class in my first freshman year, you know, first freshman semester, I had this little tiny quiz and it was worth 10 points, not a hundred. And this professor said you could drop your lowest quiz grades, like your lowest three at the end of the semester. So there's a chance this quiz wouldn't even count. And I got a four out of 10 on this quiz, you know, and at the bottom of the quiz, the professor had written, Woody, you really need to learn what this means, this quiz topic. And if you're a computer science programmer, it was about accumulators. If you're not a computer science programmer, then that didn't mean anything to you. But anyway, here I was four out of 10 at accumulators. Uh, and I was a disaster mentally. I remember going into my journal and typing, you know, I just can't believe I've disappointed the professor. I can't believe I've messed this up so bad. I just, oh man, I have, I'm so worried. Um, and the key thing here that I think is worth noting about self-centeredness is what I was worried when I was self-centered wasn't that my grade was going to impact me too bad because I knew I could drop a quiz grade. So whatever. But it was because I was so worried what somebody would think, you know, I really thought that my professor would be sitting at their desk and looking at my quiz grade and feeling sad because I did bad. And every time they saw me until I redeemed myself, they would think, oh, man, I hope Woody doesn't fail again. Um, And this was a pattern that happened to me so many times throughout college, you know, The next year I was in a programming class, or maybe it was my junior year, I don't remember at this point, but you know, a little later on I was in another programming class and we had to make this database and we were supposed to do it by a certain deadline and it was more of a team project than a graded project, so we were actually making something that someone was going to use and we had a deadline to like get this our so-called customer, you know. And so all six of us were working and we just weren't going to meet the deadline. We were going to run two weeks behind. Um, And so I go to the professor and I just talk to this professor, different professor. And I say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. We're not going to make the deadline. I just can't believe it. I'm so disappointed. I'm so worried. And the professor said, you know, um, it's cool. Like 
whatever. We'll give it a couple weeks, no problem. And you'd think I would have learned after all these things that I wasn't going to be the cause of somebody else's great distress or somebody else's great, horrible meltdown, but I didn't learn. I didn't learn at all. And so just throughout college and then throughout work and throughout so much of my life, I just spent it being self-centered from the sense that I was going to let others down and it was going to cause them distress and they would have to choose whether to be mad at me or whether to get rid of their relationship with me or whether to just be sad and hide it. And I thought all these things that other people were worrying about that really they never worried about. And so I just wonder if that happens to you. Um, I just think the college examples were really good examples of it. But I wonder whether it happens to you that you feel like someone else is going to feel bad because you weren't good enough. And not that you did a bad job on purpose or that you didn't try, but that you really just couldn't do better. And just your existence not being able to do better was going to make someone else sad or someone else angry or someone else whatever. I think we all pick these things up like throughout childhood and whether it's school or family or religious institutions or political institutions or, you know, social institutions or social media. There are so many different methods for us to pick up signs that we aren't good enough. And the world just ricochets these signs around everywhere. That is one thing I've learned um, in my experience working on all this mental health stuff is that the vast majority of cues from every single modality of society are mostly geared towards unsafety. You're not good enough. You're not enough. You're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. And what I call this, and you know, I've, I don't know if I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I call this the social worry web. It's a web where all of us get the message from someone else who's experiencing worry or trauma or dysfunction that we're not going to be enough because of some scenario. And then we internalize it. And then we feel so bad that we can't live up that we then project that onto other people. And we all go running around doing this, projecting it on people, you know, and some of us become more hardline and project more on other people that they're not good enough. And some of us internalize it and just constantly, just devastatingly beat ourselves up um, and are essentially unable to help the world and help people because we are so busy just trying to survive the negative thoughts assailing us in our own head. So yeah, um, there's two sides of that coin too. You know, whether you're the person who goes out and puts expectations on others or whether you're the one who puts it on yourself, um, and it's both of them are really unhealthy. So to me, that's the social worry web. It's it's the idea that at some point we could all just realize, oh, if we gave each other unconditional love and support, that's the best way to get the best result. We should all do that for each other all the time. That is a logical slam dunk scenario. It is the truth. It is science based. If you think about, for example, research on training dogs Research recently has proved that there's essentially no point in punishing your dog if you're trying to teach them something. There is no point in being negative at them, at yelling at them, at expressing negativity, because that fear is just going to make them lash out. Or what it's going to do is teach them to hide their negative cues and hide their behaviors, you know, and then they'll lash out at a worse moment with no predictability, you know. That's why they tell you don't use the shock and prong collars on your dogs, don't 
you know, hit them or punish them because even if you stop them from doing a behavior with that, you're making them have a negative experience. They're going to hide it and then they're going to bite somebody, attack somebody, run away, do something really bad. And honestly, it's the exact same psychological principle with humans, right? Has being beaten or put down or put unfair expectations on ever actually made you healthier and better for the long run? I don't think so. I think it's impossible. Because when your brain is operating on fear and survival instinct, it can't operate in a pro-social intelligence problem-solving mode. You know, it's just not compatible. And yet, here's the world, and if you go to school, it's all these tests. And man, those tests can make you so insecure. And you go to work, and it's all this work feedback, and everyone takes it so seriously. And oh, that's dangerous. And you go to you know, perhaps a religious institution, and everyone is so serious and so somber. And then you go to, you know, a political organization, and everything is so serious and so somber. And the point is not that family, politics, religion, school, everyday life don't have stakes and don't have important things, you know? I have strong political convictions. I have strong, you know, spiritual, religious convictions. I have strong family convictions. But it's the idea that by pressing these convictions with force on other people, that we somehow are going to help other people. And so think about that. Just sit and reflect and think about all the time somebody has pressed or forced something on you and ask yourself, what if that was never helpful? You know, I'm a big believer that force is never ideal and that the only reason to use force is to stop somebody from immediately doing something life-threatening, which in the sense like if I see someone about to walk in front of a bus, I'm going to grab them and yank them back by force because I know they're just not aware, right? Or maybe they just need a moment to reconsider if they were trying to do it on purpose. And I'm getting a little tangential here, but here's why I'm going here, is because other people impressing their will upon us out of worry and this social worry web causes us to be pathologically self-centered. I am increasingly convinced of this. I think it is an actual pathology, a disease, something that is so deep in our biological circuits that it causes us to constantly freak out and make bad decisions and constantly worry about ourselves. I think the reason that I was so worried about my grades in school is because at some point in the first 18 years of my life, I picked up at some time, that someone was going to be really, really upset if I didn't do exactly what they wanted. And the point of this is not to put blame or shame on anybody who's been involved in our lives, but rather to understand that basically the whole world operates this way, and it's all wrong. The world just has it wrong when it comes to expectations and helping people succeed. They force it on us, and just the systems of the world, right, If you're forced to go to a school, inherently there's going to be some trauma in that, even though going to school is a good thing and you need to go, right? And so my point here is not that, oh man, you should hate everyone because they've wronged you. It's that the inherent nature of daily life and living in a society is that expectations will be put on you, unfair expectations will be put on you, and as an adult, you need to take active work to seek help to decondition them. Does that make sense? I'm a firm believer in this, that all of us have trauma from expectations 
and all of us need help getting rid of it. So that's kind of how it ties ties into my overall um, brand, my overall message. But what I've realized is that I have been so, so self-centered, but I'm slowly coming out of it. And so I want to share a little bit about coming out of self-centeredness and what it looks like. For me, the big aha, if you want the second big takeaway, you know, from this, it's that self-centeredness actually prevents us from being of any use. And if we just stop thinking about how other people perceive us and just do anything without that, our lives are going to be miles better. And so I know I just said this big hyperbolic thing, and what does it mean? So let me get into it. Well, I've told you self-centeredness is not the same as selfishness, and it's because if I just get help with my trauma, get emotional help, um, I've gotten so much, right? I go to trauma therapy, I go to regular counseling, I go to peer support groups, I go to other peer support groups, I talk to my wife, I talk to, you know, every kind of mentor and person under the sun, and I'm constantly adding more. And as a result of getting all this help, I am finally having the courage to not worry about what other people think. And across the board, the results for both myself and other people in my life are getting almost miraculously better. If you were to look at my marriage right now with Pritha 18 months ago compared to where I am today, you would say this is not even the same relationship because it is so much healthier and so much better. And how did that happen? Not with a tip or a trick or some little thing. It's because I got so much mental health help that now I don't spend all day worrying and traumatized about how I'm letting her down. I just act as an equal partner and try to do my share, you know? And when I do that, even if I don't feel like I'm equal or even if I feel like, oh, I'm depending on her, I actually... It, it doesn't bother her. I mean, it is the most amazing thing. I have spent, if, for you guys who know me personally, you know how great Preetha is, and she's just so naturally talented, successful, hardworking, kind, all these things. And so it's hard for me to feel like I can live up to that equally. And particularly recently, for the past three years, she has been by far, in a way, essentially the only primary earner for us. And... We used to be really stressed about that, but the amazing thing is, as I've stopped with the grandiosity and I'm going to be all amazing and I can do everything in one second, and as I've gotten mental health help and as I've started doing humble things around the house and setting her up for success and sharing in her wins and working on her art business to sell her art, as I've done all this, I have slowly become someone who is a huge asset in my partnership and a huge positive person, even though I'm still not really earning any significant money compared to her impressive lawyer salary. And I would be insecure about that, except my life is just so amazing. And her life is so amazing. And we're both doing what we love. And it's all because I had the courage to instead of self-centeredly needing to be everything and not need anybody and not need any help and want to do everything perfectly on my own. I had the courage to admit that basically in every area I need help, but I can also be the nicest, best, most hardworking version of myself and trust that that's enough. So 
That's one way I've become less self-centered. I've just started seeing myself as an equal in relationships and mostly thinking about how I can be useful instead of thinking how I can justify my own worth. I think that's the scary part, and that's the interesting part about trying to be less self-centered, is that when I'm trying to be less self-centered, I'm genuinely not thinking about how I'm perceived, but I know that by trying to be useful, I'm going to be perceived better, I just don't think about it. And so it's so scary to not have a defense for yourself. I actually made a reel on relationships recently for Instagram, and one of the tips was admitting you're wrong is actually good for all your relationships. If you were to go to everyone in your life who you have wronged and admit where you were wrong without justifying anything or without offering an excuse, it would improve your relationships and help other people's opinion of you, even though all you've done is admit where you've messed up. But now, where do you see that reflected in the world? Do you see that reflected in politics or schools? Like, are we supposed to just go admit all our mistakes and just own up to them? No, we're supposed to try and mitigate our mistakes and get through school and mitigate our mistakes so we can get elected or mitigate our mistakes so we can get a promotion. We're essentially supposed to hide our mistakes, even though that's a really terrible way to be happy and fulfilled. (laughs) And so I'm learning that. I'm learning that I can give up a lot of the social goals and instead have a goal of just being useful and happy. And my life is way better. Way, 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 way better. So I hope you'll think about this today. I hope you'll think about where you've been self-centered. And I hope you'll really think about where you impress your will on others. And perhaps a message of hope is that you might think, oh, I've got to impress my will on others. I've got to do it on my kids or got to do it on someone else or got to do it because other people don't know. And ask yourself, yeah, maybe you can get a result by impressing your will on somebody, but at what cost? And what if there was a better alternative? You know, what if the alternative was you could just give extremely good loving support and cues of safety to people all the time and it would work out really well? I'll close, you know, I'm closing now, but closing on this topic is I do this to myself now starting this week. And it's been really great. When I'm talking to myself, I'm just only giving love and support. I'm not condemning. I'm not criticizing. You know, I'm just continually giving support to myself and just saying, it's okay, Woody, I still love you. Woody, you could mess up every single thing and I still love you. Woody, you could make the worst podcast in history this episode and I still love you. Woody, you could not earn any money and I still love you. Woody, you could mess up your relationship and I still love you. Woody, you could accidentally, you know, hurt somebody and I still love you. The list goes on. I'm giving myself love regardless because I don't think about the attitude as being dependent on my actions. Instead, I think about the attitude as being the thing that causes my actions. And an attitude of love and acceptance always causes better outcomes. I'll stand by that statement till the end of time, is that an attitude of love and acceptance, you can still set boundaries. You can still tell people when you think they're wrong. You can still speak up your peace and you can still take up your space, but you don't have to be so self-centered about it. You can just realize that everyone's not thinking about you all the time. Everyone's not judging you all the time, but they probably were sometime in your past when you were a kid, when you were at a certain workplace, when you were at a certain school system, when you were in a certain social institution you know? And that's why you need help. So anyway, 
just kind of a bit of talking on self-centeredness today, but just ask yourself, you don't have to be a narcissist to be self-centered. You just have to have an inherently flawed and over over dramatized and unhealthy sense of worrying about how you're perceived by others. Truth is, how you're perceived by others is not what helps others. Helping others is what helps others. So if you're worried about being useful, go help them and stop worrying. Easier said than done. It's why we all need help. Um, And yeah, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening in and excited to see you back next time.